Welcome to the Padres Chair, an insightful commentary on current reality, presented by Dr. Tim Schroeder. Sometimes controversial, always reflective, the Padres Chair will consistently nudge you to consider current reality through the lens of truth contained in the Holy Scriptures, and will always move toward the piercing two-word question, so what? Here's Tim with today's topic. A while back, after a brutally heavy snowfall, I was putting the finishing touches on my driveway when a couple youngsters coming down the street put a huge smile on my face. It was a significant snowfall, but there they were, I'm guessing about 10 years old, each carrying a little plastic toy shovel. Seizing a hunch, I asked, Hey, are you guys out shoveling driveways? Oh yeah, they replied proudly. I couldn't help but grin at their naivete. I mean, I just worked myself into a lather with a real shovel and couldn't imagine taking on the task at their size with the shovels they had. But there they were, so I decided to push a little further. I said, are you making any money? Oh yeah, they said again. We just made 30 bucks up the street. I thought to myself, like 30 bucks? These are smart kids. I'm sure the pay was as much a reward for their enthusiasm as it was for the quality of the job, but nevertheless, 30 bucks? And they were out for more. That experience caused me to wonder, where and when do we lose that spirit? At what stage of life do we abandon the belief that we can tackle even the biggest snowdrift with little more than a toy shovel? Where do we learn to play safe and practical and to be cynical of those who don't? That brief interaction led to some moments of fairly deep introspection for me. When's the last time I tried something outlandish? Do I still have it in me, even if I think God is behind it? Or have I become so grown up that I've concluded that outrageous things, extraordinary things, exciting things either can't be done, or worse yet, shouldn't even be attempted. At no time I can think of have questions like these been more in the foreground than at this critical junction of transitioning out of the losses of 2020 into the hopes for 2021. None of us has lived in a time where there has been more focus on turning the calendar from a really challenging year to one we hope will be significantly more blessed. But it causes me to wonder, what role does my own attitude play in that transition? This podcast series was designed to address some of life's most critical intersections, where what happens has inordinate impact on everything else. And I can't imagine any intersection with higher consequence than the one our whole world is facing today. Before unpacking this further, I want to give credit for the source behind my comments and also direct you to the text that is going to form the basis for what I want to say. Mark Batterson is a pastor and author who has a rather unusual favorite Bible text. So unusual and popular, in fact, that more than a decade ago he wrote a book about it, which was so well-received that more recently he wrote a sequel. The first one he called, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, and the sequel he titled, 
so chase the lion. His writing has provided much of the fuel for my thinking on this topic. Here's the Bible text. It's only four verses long. For those of you who like to open a Bible on your own, it's from 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting at verse 20. It reads like this. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed an imposing Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the thirty, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of his bodyguard. I, I probably should have mentioned that this text is rated PG for violence. 2 Samuel 23 is a story of extraordinary courage. King David was the mightiest king in Israel's history, but that didn't mean things came easy for him. After he was anointed king, his predecessor Saul kept trying to kill him. Then at a later stage of his life, his son Absalom also waged war against him. And virtually his whole life, David was at risk. So, not surprising, he had a very elite group of soldiers surrounding him, secret service agents. And 2 Samuel 23 is their tribute. And name by name by name, it lists the top 37 soldiers in David's elite force and describes their heroic actions. And it's right in the middle of that list that we find the text that I read, the accounts of one of those soldiers named Benaiah. First, he took down Moab's two mightiest warriors. Depending on which translation you, you read, it might say something like this. He killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. It's a fascinating wordplay, which doesn't show in the English, but in Hebrew, Ariel is almost identical to the word for lion. In other words, it says he, he successfully fought two of Moab's toughest warriors who were fierce like lions. And if that doesn't impress you, then it says, by the way, on a snowy day, he chased a real lion down into a pit and killed it. Just think about that. Lions run from no one. A lion is the king of beasts. Lions are world-renowned symbols of courage. Their roar, I, I didn't believe this, so I looked it up. Their roar is so forceful it can be heard up to eight kilometers away. A lion can run almost 80 kilometers an hour and can leap 30 feet in a single bound. Benaiah doesn't stand a chance against a lion. And that is the point. While every other human in the world heads the other way, while every other beast in the jungle heads the other way, Benaiah tracks the paw prints in the snow. No one knows why he did it. One author suggests that a village was being terrorized and children had been missing. Text doesn't tell us that. That's just someone's best guess. But the point is, instead of running, Benaiah goes after the lion. Batterson describes it this way. Benaiah peers into the pit. Yellow cat eyes glare back. It's a made-for-a-Hollywood moment. Imagine it on the silver screen. Benaiah turns and walks away from the pit while moviegoers breathe a sigh of relief. But Benaiah isn't walking away. 
He's just getting a running start. And when everything is said and done, it's Benaiah who crawls up out of the pit, victorious. And the writer of Scripture doesn't even pause. He just keeps writing as if it was no big deal. He killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Next verse, another time he killed an Egyptian who had a spear, although Benaiah only had a stick. Are you getting a sense of what's going on here? This chapter is an account of extraordinary courage and bravery in the face of unparalleled circumstances, which is exactly why I chose it for today. The critical junction between 2020 and 2021 is unlike anything we've ever faced before. And the real question is, how are we going to navigate it? You see, Benaiah-like courage doesn't just magically appear. Courage to stare down fierce lions, like COVID. Courage to persevere when we've lost so much we're not even sure there is a next step. That kind of courage is never an accident. It's always the result of some specific choices. And as we stand in this crucial intersection, I'm just wondering whether you're willing to make those choices. Let me suggest five choices you can make that will invite courage into your future. Here they are. Number one, choose to not play safe. There's a brand of religiosity that seems satisfied with breaking even. Don't do this, don't do that, and you'll be just fine. Don't don't mess up, don't rock the boat, just slide along under the radar. The problem with that, says Batterson, is that you can do nothing wrong and still never do anything right. I chose the translation of the story that I did primarily because it includes one word that no other translation has. It says, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit. He chased it. My usual translation only says that he went down into a pit on a snowy day. But the point is, he went down there on purpose. He knew what was down there, and he went anyway. In the wild, the script is the same every time. Man runs, lion chases. Benaiah flipped the script. One of my mentors has an axiom I love to repeat, which says, Always walk towards the barking dog. I was a youngster. I got bit by a farm dog one day. It's funny, it's decades ago. I still remember the dog's name, Bingo. And Bingo got me right on the lip and ripped off a pretty good chunk. For years, I was scared of dogs until I learned. Always walk toward the barking dog. Don't turn and run. Don't hide. Don't shrink back. If there's a challenge, face it head on. Batterson uses two phrases that resonate with me. The first is that the purpose of life is not to arrive safely at death. And the second is a question. What impossibility do I need to repent of? I've always thought repentance was reserved for something I've done wrong, but he turns it around and says it's also for our small dreams. So, choice number one. Choose to not play safe. Choose to not run away. Let's face reality in our callings head on. Second choice that invites courage into your future. 
choose to not avoid conflict. Most of us are just like water. We, we prefer the path of least resistance. And as a result, whenever possible, we avoid all opposition, not because it's right, not because it leads to the best outcome, but because it's easiest. That's why one of the advanced choices you want to make to fully seize 2021 is that you will not shrink back from conflict and opposition. Benaiah faced the, the two mighty warriors of Moab. Then he faced the lion in the pit. Then he faced an Egyptian who had superior weaponry. Then he became head of David's bodyguard. And, and later he had to engage in a major conflict over who would become the next king. It was just conflict after conflict. I don't think I need to say this out loud, but that's life. If you're alive and moving, that is exactly what you can expect. You'll never encounter a roadblock if you never go anywhere. When I was starting out as, as a young pastor, one of the old saints of the church came to see me one day. He, he was one of my favorites. He really shouldn't have been driving anymore. He'd sort of bounce his way into the parking lot using the curbs on both sides to know when it was time to turn. But while he couldn't drive very well, his mind was razor sharp. And he came into my office and he said, Pastor, I suspect with some of the changes you're making that not everyone is happy. <laughs> I just nodded. He said, so I came over here to tell you how you can keep everyone happy. Really? I said to myself, thinking this ought to be good. With a twinkle in his eye, he said, I learned this in the farm implement business in Manitoba. He said, when Farmer Jones would come in and say, boy, it's dry, we sure need rain. I just say, yep, sure do. And Farmer Jones would be happy. But then he said, Farmer Smith would come in 10 minutes later and he'd say, boy, the grain's not ripening. We sure do need some hot, sunny days. And I'd say, yep, we sure do. And Farmer Smith would be happy. This old gentleman looked at me and said, all you need to do, Pastor, to keep everyone happy is just keep agreeing with them all. And then his tone changed. He said, of course, if you do, you'll never accomplish anything. And he turned and bounced back out. If you have no conflict in your life, chances are you're not doing much. It will come your way, I promise. You will have opposition in 2021, and so will I. And we get to choose in advance how we're going to act when it comes. Third, and this is the easy one, choose to rehearse God's faithfulness. What lions has God already enabled you to face? Think about them. Write them down. Rehearse them. There's a reason these verses contain the detail they do. Each new challenge that came, Benaiah could always look back and see how God had helped him on the previous one. When the next obstacle reared its ugly head, and in case you haven't realized, there's always a next one, he'd already proved what could be accomplished when human courage and God's grace intersect. There's an intriguing practice described in a number of places in the Old Testament. Time and again, after critical intersections, people were instructed to erect memorials. It would say things like, take 12 stones out of the river you just crossed and make an altar. And then when your children ask about it, you'll be able to tell them what happened when you trusted God. In other words, don't rush past victories. They provide courage for the next stage of the journey. My wife Arlene and I have fairly recently taken up snowshoeing. It's a great experience. 
But I've discovered that out in the bush on a cloudy day, surrounded by hills and trees, it's quite easy to lose your way. Except, except that where we usually go, someone has marked the trails by tying orange ribbons to the trees. And each time when I'm not quite sure where I am, if I'm on the right path, I just look around and I spot one of those ribbons. And they tell me you're okay. Someone's made it this way before. Choice number four. I like this one. Choose to not be petty. Back to the text in verse 22. After describing all that Benaiah did, it says, Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. Whoa. Out of the top 30 warriors in David's army, there were three who were always listed as special. You can read their story earlier in the chapter. And again and again, they were given special titles and referred to in special terms. They were the three. And no matter how much Benaiah did, and he did a lot, he never did get included among the three. A lot of people would never forget that slight. Many would turn sour. From some, all you would hear was, Oh, David had his favorites, those three. Woe is me. But Benaiah was so big in heart that although he never got that status, David wound up trusting him so completely he named him the head of his own personal bodyguard. This is the choice in 2021 to be a big person. It's the choice to put away pettiness and jealousy. It's a choice to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, whether you get recognized for it or not. So much of what weighs us down is pettiness. So a pretty good question to ask early in this new year is, what do I need to let go of? And what's my plan for release? Okay, one last choice that I think will make a profound difference in how we handle this new year. Choose who you're going to run with. 2 Samuel 23 is not in the Bible by accident. Neither is it a mistake that 37 men are listed by name. Now, ladies, don't be put off by the maleness of this. The only reason it's men is because of the date in which it was written. This applies equally across gender lines. If you want to dream bigger dreams, to quote Batterson, get around big dreamers. Who's pushing you this year? If you want to grow in a specific dimension, you got to get around people who are better at it than you are. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to be around people who have bigger faith, deeper wisdom, and closer proximity to God. They'll inspire you. They'll, They'll push you. Over the years, I I discovered that I could predict with amazing accuracy how I would finish a marathon or half marathon. It all depended on who I ran with in training. If I ran only with people who were slower than me, I'd finish slower. And if I ran with people who pushed me, I could always count on a faster time. Choose your running mates. Well, that's it five choices to produce courage for your future. 
choose not to play safe, choose to not avoid conflict, choose to rehearse God's faithfulness, choose not to be petty, and choose who you're going to run with. When Batterson wrote about Benaiah, he included in the preface to his book something that I consider worth the price of the whole book. He calls it the Lion Chasers Manifesto. And with it, I sign off on today's podcast. Here's the Lion Chasers Manifesto. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that's destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges, blaze new trails, live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail, dare to be different, quit holding out, quit holding back, quit running away. Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Padre's Chair. Bookmark the site for future episodes, and if you find The Padre's Chair helpful, pass it on to those around you.